Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. The Reds are up for the cup as Liverpool batter Shrewsbury Town 4-1. The kids are all right, aren't they, James? Yeah, not doing too bad. Yeah, something seems to be going on at the academy and just keep to uh, keep having this uh, conveyor belt of young stars, don't we? <laughs> well, maybe batter's a bit too harsh a word on Shrewsbury Town, who obviously accounted themselves quite well going 1-0 up. But, you know, a 4-1 win in the third round of the... Um, FA Cup. A few of the more senior guys getting a run out after a week or so off due to the Arsenal match being called off due to COVID. All in all, it was a pretty perfect day other than going behind for a short period of time, wasn't it? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't too bad of a performance and obviously it's a good result to go through, but I think it's always a bit of a struggle when you're embedding so many young players into the starting eleven, um, and everyone's trying to get, I mean, you know, you've got Gordon, you got Bradley, um, you had Wooten up front, um, and you know, and then you had Dixon uh, in central midfield as well. So there was a few youngsters in, you know, the, the the key areas of the field. Really, obviously Tyler Martin, but we've seen him play a few more times you know, in the last couple of weeks. We all played in the Champions League, but I think when you throw that many young kids into it, um, I think it's always going to take a while for the for the team to get going. But when they got going, you obviously see the scoreline. They score four goals after Shrewsbury go ahead and. Yeah, very pleasing to see some of these lads that we've heard about, you know, being the next big thing coming out of Liverpool's academy and in the youth setup. It's good to see them, you know, play it with the, the the Liverpool regulars and a bit of a glimpse to see how they might get on in the future. Obviously, there was a nice blend there of kind of experienced guys like your Van Dykes, Kanate, yeah, Fabinho. So the, the kind of core of the team was pretty experience for an, an FA Cup tie but then the further up the pitch we went obviously there was those young guys that you mentioned there so who would you say was the most impressive on the day obviously we had Kyde Gordon score the equaliser took it very nicely and um, Connor Bradley got a couple of assists um, I'd probably say Bradley at right back uh, probably impressed me the most so I think it's because I think anyone who comes through the academy now at right back for Liverpool, you're automatically going to compare them to Trent and how the delivery is. Mm. Um, you, you start to wonder if the way that clock plays and how the first team plays that filtering through to the to the ages below, or is it is it going to be a big jump for them to have a different style of play? But I thought he dealt with it really well. I thought the cutback for Gordon's goal was what you see from Trent. Really, it was precise. It was straight at him. He, you know, it was pretty simple for Gordon. Really. Um, yeah, so I think he probably um, impressed me the most, but the way Gordon took his goal was everything we've been hearing about since his move from Derby. I think if Liverpool is showing interest in a youngster at Derby County, no disrespect to them, but you know, at such a young age, I think Liverpool are through £1 million at him. You know, it's going to rise, obviously, at the Damari place of the club. So I think for him to get his first goal in front of the cop, playing on that side that Mo Salah usually plays in, it'll do his confidence the word of good. But probably say Bradley just edges it for me just because like you said a couple of assists and I think we, we're going to compare him to somebody else who plays that in that position I think he handled it really well and obviously there's a lot of talk at this time of the year about transfers and we talk about that to death really as fans but I think it's worth noting that while we shouldn't get too carried away about the performances of, performances of these kind of young players Klopp's always been one to try and, if possible, find a solution from within the club first to potential absentees rather than go out into the transfer market. And do you think that seeing 
the likes of Gordon and also over the years as well, you could name, you know, Curtis Jones, obviously Harvey Elliott this year's had a bit of a breakthrough before his injury and Trent Alexander-Arnold being the absolute obvious example as a player that came through the academy under Klopp. It's actually a nice, it's, it's maybe a bit more of a throwback to teams back in the, you know, 80s and 90s where they would develop these talents rather than what Chelsea and Man City do, who, you know, to be fair to Chelsea, they have developed quite a few young players over over recent years, but that was because of the transfer ban. But unlike just going into the transfer window and spending 40, 50 million at a winger, you've got someone like a Gordon or an Elliot or a Connor Bradley at right back, where there's solutions that could possibly work in the first team already without having to go out and buy all the time. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the club pump money into the academy season in, season out, and they want to see some some you know something to show for for, for the money they're show that they're paying you know the new training ground's been built the youngsters are now all with the senior players there's no true separate training grounds anymore so yeah. I think it gives Klopp more of an indication of he's not looking you know, I don't know how he's doing it at the at the training ground but I, I'm assuming he's walking over to the other pitches to see what everybody else is doing um instead of you know getting videotapes or getting word of mouth which is what it used to be back in the day it used to be you know, if, if there was any injuries in the senior team in the, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, then they'd ring up and ask the youth coaches, is there anyone you could send over? And then, you know, the likes of Gerard and Carragher and, and Owen all got sent over. But I think, like you said, that's what Klopp wants to do. I think especially Tyler Martin this season, we've seen him playing, you know, Atletico Madrid, Porto, you know, Spurs away, some really big games. And I don't think, I think Klopp is the kind of manager who will throw a young player in but then we'll take the flack if the, the young player doesn't perform to the level, you know, he'll sort of take the pressure off them. And I think that obviously helps the young players, but I think we all want to see, you know, more talent come through the academy. Like you said, we've seen Trent. Um, and I think it's ideal for FSG. If they're not going to spend any money, then it's got to come through the academy instead then. But um, yeah, I think the, the ones we've seen come through so far at the academy under Klopp have, have done all right. You know, Curtis Jones was, and Trent were the first two to really come through. Um, and then, like I said, there's Martin, there's Bradley. I think the the 12-month loan to Blackburn's done Elliot the world of good, and we've seen what kind of player he's come back, come back as. So, uh, yeah, I think if we weren't going to get any money in January, which is another topic, um, yeah, then I'm sure Klopp would in the FA Cup. And, the, you know, the further on we go into that and, depending on who our opponents are over the weekend. I don't think he'd shy away from throwing one or two of the youngsters in. And obviously, I think it, it was really important about having that good blend in those cup ties as well, because we saw in the first half against Leicester, for example, we probably didn't have the balance quite right in terms of, you know, we had like young Billy um, Katemo at the back alongside Gomez, who just came back from an injury. And, and they look, he looked a little bit out of his depth. And then Connor Bradley and Tyler Morton probably didn't have, have the best performances ever but that's to be expected for someone so young but it seemed like in this game against Shrewsbury maybe it's because you know the opposition were a bit more um, suitable for the type of players we were playing whereas we had to face um, Leicester City in, in that league cup game who obviously a Premier League team and a lot of the play, team players that they fielded that day were it was a pretty strong 11 from them so I think that how important that blend is in these cup ties is integral to getting a positive result and also letting these guys go out and display what they can do if they have the, the likes of Van Dijk and Fabinho alongside them it doesn't matter so much if they make a mistake because they've got that 
those experienced players next to them who can kind of guide them through the game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think if you look at that Leicester game, um, obviously in the midfield, Tyler Morton played in the midfield that day. And I think if you asked him, who would he rather play in front of, a Canate and Van Dijk partnership or Billy, who's hasn't played a senior game since pre-season. And then you've got Joe Gomez, like you said, who's injured pretty much all the time now. And he's trying to get his way back into match fitness and in front of a sellout crowd at Anfield. You know, I I do think there are certain games that are perfect for throwing the younger players in. And I think that this this is the time because, I mean, no disrespect to the youngsters we've got, but if we were going to send them out on loan, you know, Shrewsbury is sort of where you, you send these players, you send them into League One and League Two to get that experience of playing in week in, week out, you know, midweek, weekend, yeah. and going up against players who are just going to knock you to the floor and you've got to get yourself back up again. So, yeah. you know, I think, if, like I said, if they were going to go out on loan, to be playing a team like Shrewsbury week in, week out. Um, so I think that's really good for them to, to get that experience. But like you said, I think it's who you're playing against. I think the Leicester game came a little bit too soon for some of them in their careers. Maybe that's because they haven't played enough senior football or injuries or, or whatever. But yeah, I think, you know, Sunday afternoon was, was the perfect occasion for, for the youngsters that we did play. And next up in, in the FA Cup is obviously Cardiff City at home. So a championship um, opposition, but you probably expect a similar kind of lineup in that one and, and another opportunity for these guys to again, come in and, and show what they can can do because that, that ties at the start of February. So it's only you know, less than a month away now. That time of the year is probably, um, you know, we're going to have Premier League fixtures to contend with as well. So it'd be a nice break for those those kind the senior guys to, to have a bit of a break as, and as well as the Salah and Mane may not be back from AFCON at that point because it's, it's, it's not far away now. Yeah, it depends how, how far along they the uh, you know Senegal and Egypt to get through to the African Cup of Nations. I think well, Cameroon, uh, Senegal scraped a one 0 win today, so they're already top of the groups, expecting them to go mm-hmm. through already. Um, but yeah, I think for the for the Cardiff game, maybe see instead of I think there was five youngsters playing on Sunday. I think maybe just two or three in this one. Probably Bradley would keep his place. Um, Tyler Morton would probably keep his, but then I f- and probably Gordon as well. And I think we might see Waltman dropped and then maybe a Firmino play, try and get more minutes under his belt. Jota, um, try to keep him as sharp as, as we can before everybody else comes back. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd certainly expect to, you know, two or three of them youngsters to play again. And, you know, Cardiff again, they're a team who ended the championship pretty well last year. They've had, they've had a, an awful year this year. I think Mick McCarthy got sacked pretty early on in the season. So, it's not been their greatest uh, seasons to date, but again, they're a big, strong team. And it's just a, a case of putting the young lads in and, and seeing what they're made of. This is almost the cutthroat business of football. And, you know, you've got to work out who you want to keep, who you can sell and who's got to take the team forward. And you know, looking at what we've got, I think there's a few lads who could probably stay in, in and around the squad. And... Bobby Firmino obviously came off the bench yesterday and scored a trademark kind of Bobby goal, didn't he? With that cheeky back heel. Um, he's obviously had a few weeks out with an injury, then he came back, then he got COVID. So it's been a bit stop-start for Firmino in the last few weeks. But just getting him on the pitch and getting him scoring a goal, hopefully that will kind of kick him on now. Um, because in the next few weeks, particularly in the Premier League games against Brentford and Crystal Palace, where we're going to be without Salah and Mane for the uh, AFCON, 
he's going to be basically one of our main goal threats alongside Jota. So it's really nice to see him in this one, getting on the score sheet and just getting some minutes back under his belt. Yeah, I think he's come back at the perfect time. I think we, we spoke about it before the Spurs game, saying we'd sort of want him to play some part in that game. And then some of the games around Christmas, because we are really going to be dependent on him. Um, but I, I was really impressed with Firmino, especially before, you know, before the injury. He's, when he came off the bench, he was looking bright, you know, when he started, especially that United game um, where he was the one who played the ball through to Salah. And, and then he just knows where everyone is around him. And I don't think there's anyone like him in the Premier League and I've certainly never seen a player like him for Liverpool before in the way he presses and you know, brings every, you know, links to midfield to the attack. So it's always good to see him on the score sheet. Um and he went on a run of games where he was coming off the bench and he was scoring or he was starting and, and he was getting, you know, scoring goals. So obviously we still don't know anything about Origi, whether we're keeping him, whether we're selling him. We don't know when Minamino's back. So you're just putting all your eggs in two baskets of, of Jota and Firmino, really. And just before we move on to something slightly more unpleasant in, in this fixture and what's kind of been a bit of a theme for, for Liverpool and what I've had to deal with in the last few weeks... Um, Max Waltman, who started up front for Liverpool against Shrewsbury, and Tyler Morton, who started in the midfield. And these two have grown up together, basically. They've known each other since primary school. They came through the academy together. And it's just a very wholesome story, isn't it? Yeah, especially when you see, I think, uh, Liverpool put a montage on, didn't they, of, of, of yeah. pictures of them together. And this one, it does go to show, if, you know, we've, we've had the you know the Super League that's supposed to have been started and then you know, that caused an uproar and, I think this now takes you back to what what Liverpool Football Club's all about, but not just Liverpool. It's it's clubs up and down the country. It's, it's clubs all over Europe. Um, friendships are made in the academy. You know, people make lifelong friends, and and it, it just goes to show that you know if if you you know if you put your mind to it and you've got the work ethic and you know you you're gonna succeed and you know fair play to them because I think especially no disrespect but to break through at a top six club in the Premier League now is a lot harder than what it used to be. It you know because you've got thirty million pound players in every position, um. So it's it's huge credit to them too, uh, and the others, um. But especially them too, and then you see the pictures of like I said, they're leaning on the wall, and, and like, there must only be like six or seven, and then you see them, you know, and then they've obviously played at the San Siro together, they've played in an FA Cup tied together. So, you know, fair right. play to them and to the families for for keeping them at it as well. And, you know, it's like you said, what you're going to speak about next, you compare that to, to what's going on with uh, Tyler Martin and Walton. It's, uh, yeah, it's heartwarming. Yeah. So obviously we have to kind of cover the next topic, which it, it's been going on for a little while, if it hasn't it really this season, but the away fans yesterday, the Shrewsbury Town fans, obviously not all of them. There's some fantastic um, Shrewsbury fans who we've seen on Twitter over the last 24 hours condemning a lot of this, but we had the Hillsborough chance again, the mocking of, of the, um, obviously the 97 fans that, that sadly passed away in that tragedy 30, um, 30 odd years ago now. And also the kind of, the, the poverty chance, the kind of the feed the scousers, the sign on chance that, to be honest, this isn't even a, a new thing really. I think Liverpool fans, we know that this has been happening for years and years, whenever Liverpool go to different parts of the country for away games or when away fans come to Anfield they quite often are singing these chants that are mocking 
poverty or and the, the, the Hillsborough disaster. And it just seems to have reared its head a little bit more over the last few weeks. I'm not sure why that is, but obviously we heard it in both games against Leicester City. Um, we've, we've heard it before when we've played Manchester United. And again, this weekend against Shrewsbury Town, there were some um, really unsavoury videos going around on, on Twitter of Shrewsbury Town fans singing some pretty horrific stuff as they were on their way to the ground. I think that, to be fair to them, the fans who were actually in the stadium, they it maybe wasn't heard in there, but there was definitely a video um, on Twitter of the Hillsborough one in particular going around. And I think it's just got to the point now where in 2022, I know that football is about banter and it's about, you know, taking the mickey out of each other during games and, and you know, having a bit of a laugh at the other team's expense, which is all fine and which is all part of it. But these type of things really, really crossed the line, especially the Hillsborough stuff. The poverty stuff is really pretty gross as well, but Hillsborough in particular is absolutely vile. Yeah, I mean, considering that the uh, drama had just been on ITV for four nights uh, during that week, and you've seen people jump onto social media to talk about how heartbreaking it was and how hard it must have been for all the families and all the funerals and all the people who have lost people to go and do that it's just it's just pure ignorance and what the, the i think what it they just people are just looking for a reaction and they'll jump on anything to look for a reaction so we've had since the turn of christmas well christmas week we've had wolves fans singing about poverty leicester fans singing it twice you've had chelsea fans singing it do you know what i mean these are yeah. you, like you said you, you, you're taking you're trying to take the piss out of social issues which isn't funny it's, it's whichever way you look at it it's not funny like you said we all laugh at each other we all take the mick i've got united fans who have given me stick for countless awesome. numbers of years and now i'm giving it them back because they go and you just go back and forth and it's funny it's it's cool you know it's it's just witty there's nothing serious ever has to get said but to do that and especially like i said because that documentary has just been on well sorry the drama that was on itv at the started on New Year's Day. And you've seen it countless years. They've had to go to so many court dates, so, so many tribunals, so many, you know, different meetings. And, you know, Andy Burnham stood up and, and you know, promised the fans he'd deliver it and all of everything. He must have had to go through to, to get everything. And now the Hillsborough law is going to start. You know, there's a petition to get that started. Mm-hmm. To then go and ruin it by, you know, you've got your, this, this might sound disrespectful, but you've got your big day. You're playing at Anfield. You know, no disrespect to Shrewsbury, but I don't think we're expecting them to be at the Premier League anytime soon. Yeah. Their team are playing Liverpool on a Sunday afternoon in the FA Cup. No one's talking about Shrewsbury going 1-0 up. No one's talking about how well Shrewsbury played for that first half, which is what everyone should be talking about. Yeah. But they're not. It's the odd few that are ruining it. and They're taking the shine, not just off themselves, but off their own club. And, you know... <laughs> If that doesn't say it, if you if you're willing to hurt your own club, to because they've come out and made an official statement, so the club, yeah. their own club, have deemed it bad enough yeah. for them to have done it. And I think what we need now is is we need every other club to do it because you can't tell me that anyone who's associated with Leicester City, not just them in particular, anyone who's been who was at the King Power Stadium during the Christmas break, couldn't have heard the Leicester fans singing, feed the Scousers, let them know it's Christmas time. Yeah. And I think if everybody just makes a stance and everybody condemns it, then I think we'll see less of it. But at the moment, stewards aren't doing anything. 
you know, club officials aren't doing anything and it's just going to keep happening until these people, you know, condemn it. And, and the thing is as well, particularly with the, with the poverty stuff, is that when you look at the teams that we've played during that time, particularly Leicester City and Wolves, no disrespect, but Leicester, the cities of Leicester and Wolverhampton aren't, you know, they're not the most affluent areas in, in the world. Um, they've probably got similar social issues to what is going on in Liverpool and, and, and the Northwest as well. The, the football should be about, like, at its absolute core, football is about working class people going to the game on Saturday with the money they've, you know, they've made all week. And everyone's in the same boat. If you're a Leicester City fan going to watch Leicester versus Liverpool, the chances are you're probably from the same kind of social economic background as a Liverpool fan doing exactly the same thing. So you're not, it's not really a dig. It's not really a joke because you're in the exact same situation. Like this poverty and austerity that we've seen in the UK over the last few years without getting too political. Yeah, it's, it's, in, it's in almost all cities in the UK. You know, the big ones, Liverpool and Manchester, very similar levels of poverty and austerity. And it's the same in the Midlands with the likes of Leicester and Nottingham Derby. They're all, it's, it's, it's the same issue everywhere. So instead of directing their, I guess, anger and, and rage at the people in power, they for some reason use it as a weird point scoring exercise against Liverpool fans. And it does seem to genuinely, generally be only against Liverpool for some reason. But you never really hear it against Manchester United or Manchester City, for example, where Manchester has is, is got similar issues surrounding poverty and, and, and food banks and stuff. And the guys at Anfield and lots of other clubs like Everton as well, they've got fantastic food bank campaigns that whenever Liverpool go away, for example, Leicester on that Christmas, um, over Christmas, they Liverpool fans were taking food to Leicester's food banks in Leicester. Yeah, that's where I, that's where I mentioned the ignorance because you can guarantee that someone on the way to, to Leicester or, or at Wolves when, when they went at the Molyneux to get to their ground, you know, there's a possibility they could have come across someone who was homeless or someone who yeah. isn't in a, in a great situation. And they've ignored all that. And instead of helping that situation out or helping that person out in their own city, in their own town, they then decide to laugh and joke for 90 minutes. Well, the laughing and joking for 90 minutes doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help, you know, it doesn't help yeah. the, the game. It doesn't help the opposing fans. It doesn't help, it doesn't help your community. It's just people looking for a cheap laugh for 90 minutes. Um, and I don't know what it is, but it's just something against um, Liverpool fans. I've not heard it so much against Everton fans. Um I must say, I don't, I, I don't watch Everton much, so I can't say whether it is yeah. or it's not. But there just seems to be something about Merseyside as a whole that I think people like jumping on uh, on the bandwagon with. Um, and I think this is just where we're coming across this north-south divide. And now it's becoming like a north-east-south-west divide of everyone just sort of always looking for one up instead of acknowledging a situation and, and trying to help you know, people out just try and get one up and just try and get cheap laughs, try and put it on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, try and get in the likes or whatever. And just yes. people trying to whack the big man. It is pretty pathetic really, but we'll move on from that because um, obviously there's a lot more football to talk about, a lot more positive stuff to talk about. So hopefully we don't hear any of that, you know, in the next few weeks, but, and if so, you know, like we said, Shrewsbury came out with a statement and Shrewsbury's goalkeeper as well was quite vocal on Twitter um, against it last night saying how, disgusting it was and he kind of apologised almost on behalf of 
his own club. So, like you said, James, if that doesn't show you, then they, they'll never learn, will they, if, they, if they're not going to learn from that. So, we'll, fingers crossed in the next few weeks, um, there's less of that. But next two games for Liverpool on Thursday night is Arsenal at Anfield. This is obviously the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final. Um the second leg will now be at the Emirates. They've kind of switched around because the game had to be called off due to COVID. And then on the weekend, Liverpool will be hosting Brentford in the Premier League. So two pretty big games in the space of four, four or five days there. We won't go into too much detail about previewing Arsenal because we did it all last week. Guys, if you want to go back and listen to that, <laughs> it made no difference whatsoever because the game was, was cancelled. But thankfully, in terms of COVID absences, it seems... Like there was quite a lot of false positives in the Liverpool camp, according to Jurgen Klopp, um, which I'm sure a lot of Arsenal Twitter are absolutely screaming bloody murder about at the moment. But um, <laughs> it, it, it seems like it was only Trent Alexander-Arnold, who was the only other first-team player who has returned an actual positive PCR test. Now, obviously, Trent's our most creative player, and we've already got our best attacker away for African Cup of Nations. Um so in, in these next two games, Arsenal and Brentford, Trent is going to be a big miss. There's no getting away from it. Yeah, it's going to be going to be massive. Like you said, the way he dictates the game from right back, we've seen him dip into midfield you know, a few times in central midfield during the games to try and get on the ball as, as early and as quick as he can. But, you know, the training facility gets shut down for over 48 hours and Arsenal fans still expect the game to go ahead. But, you know, there's, there's a completely different story there. But, no, it's, it's going to be massive and you do start to question who is going to come in and play in that right-back position now because, I mean, we spoke about you know, how well Bradley played, but do you really throw him into a League Cup semi-final and a Premier League game against... Yeah. I know Brentford wow. have sort of t- tailed off a little bit since, you know, they, they came up, but still a very quick side on the on, on the on the counter-attack. So, um, it's, it's going to be a tough one for Jurgen Klopp. I don't know where he's going to go. With, with the right back situation at all but um, I think that's why it was key to see Firmino come off the bench against Shrewsbury because ideally you're going to have to go with those two up top him and Jota I think you'll probably either see um, Curtis Jones or Roxley Chamberlain playing on the right hand side um, it's probably Jota will play on the left that's where we've seen him play mainly for Liverpool and Wolves when he hasn't played down the middle so Especially after the Chelsea game, when we said Liverpool are lacking creativity. Well, if you're in the midfield, if you take a, another creative player away, who doesn't play in midfield, it's just going to make it even harder, really. But you know the way Arsenal played yesterday, you know it's um, it, it's it yeah. could be anyone's game on Thursday. Yeah, and I think Nico Williams he wasn't involved either was against Shrewsbury, um, which I'm not sure if there's been an explanation to that. I don't know if you know James, but um, I've personally not seen any kind of no, no, no explanation as to why he he missed that Shrewsbury game so yeah it would probably be old Jimmy Milner at right back against Arsenal but um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um obviously there's lots of the, pro- the kind of Covid protocols changing all the time I think if you return a, a negative test on day six and seven of your isolation period you're now able to to kind of leave the isolation so with that in mind, depending on exactly when Trent's test arrived, he may be able to play for Brentford, but I feel like it'd probably be unlikely for, for the Arsenal game. So we'll have to kind of wait and see on that, really. But looking at the Brentford game in a bit more detail, because we've covered the Arsenal game, um, as I said last week, after three Premier League games without a victory, um, 
we really need to get back to winning ways against Brentford. Yeah, we do. And I think we're probably coming, you know, to a time for Brentford where oh, they got a big result at home against Villa um, in their last game. I think you know, people started to worry about them getting dragged into a relegation battle because they had a few you know, dodgy results. Um, and Liverpool, people are talking them out of a title challenge because we've similarly had a couple of dodgy results. But it's it's definitely got to be a must win. Um, yeah. And the week after against Palace are definitely going to have to must wins because... Everyone's talking about when Mane and Salah come back, but if they come back and we're 15 points adrift of a title race, and the, there was no point, there was no point in rushing them back. Um, I think you know Liverpool now have got a, I think they've got a bit of a point to prove because I know, especially like we said with the Arsenal fans saying that because there's no Mane and Salah, Liverpool have got no one to cause fear into anyone. The scared. I think these players now have got just got to put a put a bit of a statement out there now and say, we can be missing Salah, we could be missing Mane, but we can still put three, four past, you know, a decent Premier League side. So it's going to be massive for them. Um, I think it's time for, for Jota to show that he's not just a bit part of that front three. He's, you know, he's a real integral part of that front three. And then there's a point for Firmino to make that. Listen, you know, Jota, this is still my number nine. You no, know, this is still my position. Yeah. And you're going to have to work a little bit harder to, to knock me out of the team when I'm fully fit. So, there's a lot of question marks, but, but you know, it's you've got to go into it feeling confident. And Tiago's obviously looks like he's going to have a bit of a time on the sidelines. He had COVID and then COVID's somehow mutated into a hip injury. Um, and there was a lot of obviously nonsense going around on social media over the weekend that, you know, he's not going to play again this season, which Klopp's quickly shut down. But what we don't know is actually how long he is going to be out for. And with that midfield already looking a little light, we talked recently about Genie Vijnaldum not being properly replaced and whether that's a, re- a regret um, of Klopp's and the club. And with Thiago, you know, it's a question mark. So he could be back next week, he could be back in three weeks, but the quicker we get him back, the better. But this spell on the sidelines probably has came at the worst possible time. Yeah, I think we spoke about it last week, didn't we? Saying if he's not playing then there's a serious lack of creativity in that midfield because Henderson and Milner are basically the same player, uh, just with different names. Um, yeah, it's but Klopp probably didn't give the answer that everyone wanted because the rumours that were going around on Twitter was he's out till either March or he's out till the end of the season. So he answered the second part of the question, <laughs> but he didn't quite clear up the rumours that he's out till March, which if he's out again... How many games have we gotten out of him in, in two seasons? We, you know, it's for a player with yeah. that much quality, for a player that we were so well, excited to see play for Liverpool, um, it, it's just not gone well at all. And he's the only person out of that midfield, really, who, when he gets on the ball, he gets fans out of the seat, out of that midfield free. You know, people, yeah. we've seen him, you know, you look at that goal against Porto that he scored from, you know, yeah. no one should be. No one in, in that midfield that we've got has the technique. Henderson probably would have sliced it and it would have gone over <laughs> like he normally does when he hits a volley. But um, yeah, some of them are going to have to, you know, pull the socks up really and, and, and try and create something now Thiago's gone. But I think maybe Curtis Jones coming back might be a little bit of a saving grace because I could see him playing in that midfield free and sort of being that person to link the midfield up because we've seen him do it before and he has been quite impressive. But 
again, Curtis Jones has been injured for the majority of the season. So you just you you you're replacing one injured player with another injured player, and yeah, and he'll take um, a, he'll take a few weeks to get back up to speed, and then you'll have people saying that Curtis Jones isn't good enough, etc. <laughs> yeah, so you're just in a loser. You just seem to be in this like loop and like this just a never-ending circle of of injuries to to key players at key parts of a season. But I think it just goes to show, you know, as soon as Naby goes. Uh, to the Africa Cup of Nations I think you probably expect him to be back before the other two no disrespect to Guinea but I don't think you know the, the, the favourites to do anything um, in, in the um, in the AFCON so you're probably hoping he comes back as quick as possible but you know it is a cause of concern and with rumours that Liverpool aren't going to do anything in January they might not do anything in the summer again It's it, it is a little bit worrying yeah, I think um, with the kind of challenges going around in the African Cup of Nations as well, if Naby does come back, it doesn't. God knows what state. <laughs> um, yeah, and just just before we, we we go then on, obviously transfers. Like you say, it's probably really unlikely that any business is going to be done this month um, in terms of incomings. However, there's been a little bit of chat about outgoings. Divock Origi and Nat Phillips in the last week or so have both been talked about with moves away potentially this month. I think Origi has been looked at by Newcastle, but you know Newcastle are linked with every single player in the world at the moment, aren't they? And I think everyone knows they need, <laughs> need a forward. So um, what, what do you make of both of those, Origi and Phillips? I think for me, Phillips probably makes a bit more sense than Origi, given the lack of bodies we have in, in the forward positions at the moment. But... Yeah, I think, I think we were all pretty much happy for Nat Phillips to stick around um, during the summer because he said he wanted to stay and fight for his place. Um, and also, we didn't know how Van Dyke would be when he came back from injury. Would he pick up, you know, another knock? Joe Gomez is always injured. Matip's always injured. Um, so I think keeping Phillips was probably a good idea in the summer, but we've seen since then that, you know, as soon as one is injured, another one stepped in. So I think the, the strength and depth, you know, at, at the centre-back position is is. I think we're a lot clearer on, on where we stand than where we did in the summer. Um, with Origi, listen, I, I think Origi deserves to play week in, week out for a Premier League team. I think he's good enough to, to, to start week in, week out for, for the likes of a, new, of a Newcastle. I think with only six months left on his contract and Newcastle having all this money, obviously it makes sense for them to try and get a, you know, a cut price deal because I think with Newcastle, they're not going to be able to, to, to buy... Everyone keeps saying Mbappe and Haaland are these players, but you know City had to City had to sign mid-table players, you know the likes of Samaras, Juvenio, Petrov, Alano to get them to a certain standard, and then the rest come in. And I think that's what Newcastle p- possibly look at Origi and thinking he might be able to get his 10, 15 goals a season. And if we can start working our way up the league, then it'll be a, a good investment. But I don't think anybody will get a more of a cult hero send off. Um, from from the cop, then then Divock Origi, he's, he's you know he's give us some of the best moments, um, you know, as Liverpool fans, and you know he's always you know had a smile on his face whether he's playing, whether he's not playing, he's he's happy to play five minutes, for, and then you don't see him again for four weeks, and um, you know it's very rare to see that kind of player who is happy to sit on the bench. You know, a lot of players want to start in week out, week in week out, and if they don't, they throw the the toys out the pram, but. Um, if he wants to go, then, then fair play to him. It just shows he does want to. He is serious about his football career, and he doesn't want to rot away on a bench. But um, I think Liverpool could do a little bit better than the seven million that is being talked about because he has scored in 
you know, cup semi-finals, cup finals, and he's he's a Premier League and, and, and Champions League winning striker at the end of the day. Yeah, and one more link that's, it was been talked about as a player potentially coming to Liverpool, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen this window. Um, a few fans were getting a little bit excited last week about Luis Diaz of Porto with 60 million bid being rumoured. Um, Liverpool do not really bid 60 million for forwards in January. Um, but maybe in the summer, it might be a bit more likely. What do you think of this one? He's a 24-year-old Colombian kind of, I guess he's a, he's a, he's a, not a traditional winger, but more of an inside forward kind of player. And we've seen a little bit of him against Liverpool this this season, obviously in the Champions League, where he looked quite exciting. Um, potentially could be one to come in and compete for those front three spots as those guys obviously get a little bit older and he, he's 23, 24. So. Yeah, I think I think it, it, from what I've seen of him, you know, he's played well against us this season at home and away. I think he scored... An incredible goal against Manchester City last year in the Champions League, yeah. where he took about five Man City players on and, and managed to put the ball into the bottom corner. But I think where the links come from is Porto desperately need to make somebody because they are the debt is creeping up and up. And I think I read that if they don't sell 250 million euros worth of assets or players, they'll get a European ban because of the financial fair play situation. I don't think the lawyers are as good as Manchester City's. Um, <laughs> so they probably won't get away with it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, listen, Klopp's not done and the scouts haven't done too badly when it's come to signing attackers at Liverpool. Just got to look at Mane yeah. and, and Jota, you know, as, as to, to see how well we've done when we have recruited up that end of the pitch. Um, but like he said, you know, Mane's you know, late 20s now. I think it, if he was going to replace anyone, it probably would be him. You know, he's not going to come in to replace Salah. I think yeah. he's probably going to help with the transition of, of Mane coming out of the team, really. I'm um, not saying it's going to happen in the next 12 to 18 months. I just think, you know, if, like you said, if he's only 24, you know, in the next three to four years, Liverpool would probably be looking to move on from, from Mane. And that means you've got a you know, 26, 27 year old. You know, ready to walk straight into the first team. You know, it's not a kid; it's someone who's been around the team. So, it does make sense in that regard. But like you said, Liverpool don't spend sixty million on someone from the Portuguese league. Um, you know, but um, it's it's exciting to get you know linked with these players. But as we all know, as Liverpool fans, you know, a bit like Newcastle, we get linked with everyone, and, and nothing ever comes off anyway. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see until the summer until that one. Uh... But I think some Liverpool fans on Twitter might be a little bit disappointed if they're expecting much this month. But James, that's it for another another week. So thank you for your time as always, mate. No problem. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and we'll be back next week to discuss all of the latest games and news surrounding Liverpool. But until then, you can get more from us on our website, anfieldcentral.co.uk and our Twitter, anfield underscore central. But until next week, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>